When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas, I'm the Echoes Everton FC reporter. Alongside me in the office here in Liverpool City Centre, we've got Connor O'Neill, my colleague, and then joining us from, from his own place, we've got Gareth Buckland, uh, we're allowed to disclose your location, so... Um, <laughs> uh, so brilliant, well, I mean, obviously we'll only one thing to talk about that. Difficult, difficult nights on Sunday uh, at Goodison Park. Probably more positives to take from it, I think, than anything else. We'll, we'll start with the football, and then we'll go on to the you know everything else that was around the game. Connor, I mean, how frustrating is it to, to have a build up like that, and then you see someone like Alejandro going actually pull out something like that? I mean, it's just so bloody frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, I think frustrating is the big word to describe yesterday's match. I think. Uh... The goal come from nothing, didn't it? I mean, I must admit, it's one of them goals that when it kind of happened, I thought, wow. But I didn't quite think, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. I don't even have seen it more since I got home and obviously this morning. And you think, God, that was a true wonder goal or one that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see for years to come. I think that's the thing that disappointed me most was, I thought, you know, Everton kind of startled a little bit after they fell behind. So early on, that wonder goal. It took a little bit a while to kind of wake up and get back mm. in the game. Then obviously they had that kind of 15, 20 minute spell before the end of the first half where they were well on top and should have at least been level. You know, mm. if you look at the chances that, that Everton had, you know, they should have at least been level. The only thing that worried me was that it felt a little bit more like Luton in the second half where they rattled yeah. ideas very quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. they were just to pump a long, hopeless balls forward that, if I'm being honest, didn't really test dice. And I think it was quite telling that, you know, I think it was, you know, after United went 3 0 up and Onara made his first real save um, of, of the game. And that was what worried me most a little bit because I thought there's still a vulnerability side to Everton here where they quite don't know how to chase a game. I think mm. they, they, they were out of ideas very quickly. And, and also, I think when you look at the bench, because obviously you know, there was no better rest, but Sean Dice didn't really have much to choose from. And when you look at the options they brought out, I know thought that Juma was really frustrating that he didn't really get into the game and everything he did try to come off. But yeah, so it was a real frustrating evening, I think, in terms of football-wise for Everton. And, and probably one that come at the worst possible time because... I think after the build-up and the ten-point deduction, and you know, we'll be honest, results on Saturday not exactly going in Everton's favour. Um, you know, only wore a, a turf more kind of falling away the Blues. Everton kind of needs to get three points yesterday just to give themselves, you know, a little bit more breathing space mm. in terms of closing the gap. Instead, it was it was basically frustrating night. Now we up to five points, and the burst think of stars every really a little bit nervous. Gav, do you, do you think that's a, a fair assertion from Conrad to be a bit disappointed with the reaction to the goal? Because obviously, you know, a goal like that. A goal, however, it would have been scored. Scored it at that time in those circumstances was always going to knock Evan for six a little bit and take a little bit of time to recover. But one of the things that, like, it was notable that they took time to recover, that it took another 10, 15 minutes to get into that game. But once they did, you know, we did see that pattern of them creating lots of chances, 24 shots in the end, some really good chances within there. I mean, do, do you think that that's a criticism too far or? 
or do you think that, you know what, there's only so much you can do sometimes? And actually they responded, once they got their heads together, they responded quite well, created all those chances. And obviously, you know, the issue is less the response and more just the fact that they failed to score, which which is an issue, of course, but it's a different kind of argument. No, I think I would even say the response did from the start. I felt that we we allowed United to play without real and real pressure. Didn't mean their 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 finals, you know, in their back third, as it were. I mean, we didn't really press the ball at all, and it was only sort of after 10, 15 minutes when we started doing that. United. You know, we're not the graces of the playing at the back. They're not Man City, are they? Or even Brighton or, or dare I say, Liverpool. As soon as we started pressurising them, the sort of the, the shift in the game changed, didn't it, really? And I thought, from that point, as Connor said, from 20, 20 minutes in, we, we played further up the pitch and we were clearly the better team. And I'd actually disagree with, with Connor saying, we'd probably go in for a job. Should have gone in winning, shouldn't we, really? We created, there's an argument to say, we created four or five good chances. Carvalhoon had a couple, Garner Gay had one, Decore had one, you know, the one cleared off the line. Um, and we created lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of chances without really, you know, a bit less, you know, without really convincing over the game. You know, that would be the, you know, if you go beyond the first half, I think we, we as you say, it tailed off and it had, it had like similarities, didn't it, to the, to the Fulham game, particularly, mm. which um, which did you think was the best chance, Connor? For me, it was, I think it was the, the Kawari one. You know, he was central. He had a little bit of time at the goal, go either side. To not get that on target was frustrating. Yeah, the the, the Corey one is the one I think where you think you've got to hit the back of the net. Yeah, um, I thought Cavill Lewis done better with the header like over as well. Because you got that least on target. Which one from the young cross or the garlic corner? Uh, the young cross, yeah. right? He kind of got got up well. Across the mind, good right. cross. It kind of felt like he'd done everything right, bar get a bit of the, the right direction on the header. But yeah, the Corey one for me was was the one where you're thinking, especially that one's well was at five minutes before half time. If that goes in, Goodison's going to be up off for two meets. You know, Everton could be a little bit of the ascendancy and you know, instead of rolls the wrong side of the post. And yeah, it, that's, that's what Gav's saying. But yeah, I think there's a Corey one is is the one chance where you think mm. that goes in. It could be in a different a different ball game. I I have some. With what Gal's saying about being disappointed from the start, you know, we've got um, you know, one of our colleagues, Matt Jones, and, and he does, um, he speaks on a podcast called The Blue Room. And I, I listened to that last night, and he was saying that he was actually disappointed about it, and even before they conceded the goal. And I actually agreed with him on that because I thought that first 90 seconds opportunity to, you know, the fans had done so well to set the tone in the atmosphere mm. for the players, and they just seemed a little bit off it and a little bit cautious. and it was just peculiar because even before that first goal, you know, Andre and I was having a lot of time on the ball. Um, and obviously they had, had their young debutant in the midfield, Kobe Mainu, and and he just looked like an absolute baller and yeah. allowed him to look like a baller. And it was, I always wondered there's a little bit of naivety in there because obviously we know that part of the frustration, I think, in that result and the performance is the fact that, and certainly the starts, we know that there's a fragility to that Manchester United side. But we also know that you know, the stats say that they're the form team in the league. And I wonder if there was a little bit of naivety there. I wonder if there was a little bit of a, an oversight in that it was almost as if they were happy for Onana to have the ball. And one of the problems that you know, with that thought process, I think, is that he is a goalkeeper that's been brought into Manchester United because of his ball-playing ability. Mm-hmm. And OK, he's had a very difficult start to his Manchester United career, but that's he has been around his shot-stopping. And if you're going to give him the time to do that, and particularly you're going to give him someone like 
you know, a mobile number six who's happy to come you know, drop short, split the centre-backs, take the ball and face his own goal in turn. All of a sudden, whilst Calvert-Lewin and Decoria are very good at pressing, Evans midfield, there tends to be a bit of a distance between the midfield and the attack. So if it then becomes three on two defensively in Mayrite's favour, well, every time they're going to break free and every time they're going to end up in that position where all of a sudden they're 30 yards from their own goal facing Evans' goal with time and space around them. Um, and it, it really is a bit frustrating. I mean, what do you think, Oj? I mean, I, things could so easily have turned out very differently if an absolute wonder goal doesn't get scored. And even after that goal gets scored, things could turn out very, very differently if one of those three or four really good chances mm. gets taken. And then Everton have that goal and the momentum of the crowd behind them going into you know, one each half time and building on net. I mean, do you think there was a little bit of naivety there? Yeah, I think it was a, a bit of naivety and a lack of tempo and pace. Like, there seemed to be no urgency about Everton in, in at the start. It was a bit almost lackadaisical. And I don't know whether we, we underestimated like, nice, a little bit of yeah. time. You know, we thought, you know, United are quite not going to be the force that, you know, they want to play. And we can, you know, we can just get at these when I could run a form. The crowds were behind us. Mm. The one disappointed me as well. That, yes, there was the two wingers. I thought, quite poor. Okay. I don't think, you know, much Melvin McNeil came off it. And I don't think much kind of worked for Harrison every time he tries to do something. I don't think he really come off. And I think what we've seen in recent weeks is that our wild players are kind of crucial to a lot of outcome. We can be yeah. attacking from yeah. a tackle point of view. So he's him getting balls into the box and stuff like that. And I don't think we've tried to done that enough. You know, I don't think we really put United... We, we played into United's hands essentially for oh, an attack yeah. point of view. Like I say, pumping long, hopeless balls forwards is, is food and drink from McWire and Lindblad. They didn't really get tested enough. Yeah. But I think as well, on top of that, I think we missed Onara a little bit as well in midfield for Everton. And I think, you know, we missed that kind of his ability to drive us 20 yards up the pitch and get us up. I think, you know, Idris Gallagher, he's done well in recent weeks when he's come in, but his tendency to want to sit deep mm-hmm. sometimes means that with the back four going to sit that little bit deeper, which means we don't get up the pitch and massive gaps mm-hmm. start to be created, which is what we saw um, at times during the first half. We had, I just, he was a lot about yesterday in terms of how we start, so stuff that disappoints me, I just thought we didn't really have that bit of oomph that I think everyone yeah. expected. And I think, you know, you we paid the price stacks obviously before be honest with Wonderball, but then straight away you're chasing the game then and like we've seen in the Premier League, it's tough to chase games. Mm. I mean as good a goal as that was, I think this is probably a mark of perhaps where where the mindsets are at. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When the ball went in, as improbable as it was he scored it, I mean, there was part of me that was almost expecting it. As I saw him shaping, I was thinking, this is going to go in, isn't it? Mm. You, you just... It, it, Everton in a minute, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Like, the club is cursed and that one, the goal, just shows it, I think. What do you think, Gav? Did you, I mean, what, what were you thinking when he was taking lift off there three minutes in? Uh, probably something similar to yourself. I mean, yeah. you had quite a good view of it. Um, it was a fantastic goal. Funny enough, he's talking about the best goals ever seen at Goodison on Saturday night, on Saturday night. And, like, I, and that's definitely up there by, any, by anybody. Um, Everton or otherwise, and yeah, and, and I think it it just took the sting out of out of the occasion, didn't it? Really, I thought we felt we spoke about on Friday that the crowd had a big part to play. 
in terms of pushing the players on 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 Sunday, and that sort of burst the balloon, didn't it? Quite quite early on, and we, we what what can go wrong does go wrong. It's like guaranteed that Anthony Martial is going to score against us. Really, you know, there's guaranteed there's going to be a VAR penalty. And and that was in, and it was the timing of it, and also the timing of the penalty as well in the second half when he's just coming up back off half time. So in some respects, their first two goals had similar effects on on the half that follows really. And you, as you say, he bet, he, he won't score a better goal than that in his career, will he? No, that's it. I mean, I yeah. in a probably one of only a handful of other people can say the same. Darren Fletcher being being among them, but I was actually. At Old Trafford, when Rooney scored the bicycle mm. kick against Manchester City, kind of alluding back to what I just said in in the previous kind of um, submission was when Rooney scored that goal, there was almost like a split second where it took everybody, everybody almost needed to regather themselves to just compute what had happened. It's like what what has everybody just seen there? As I say, a Goodison Park yesterday, I think. Well, Almost as soon as he was shaping it up, people just assume it's going to happen because yeah. you're just shooting the worst with Evan. Gav, I'll just come back to you just on the the penalty no. again. You know, Connor said earlier about the disappointing performance in the second half. I do agree with him. You know, it was another second half display where the steam quickly kind of you know evaporated from Everton. It didn't look like it had an idea. How much of that do you think is just it's it's less about the squad and its ability and the tactics, and it's more just about you know, if if a decision like that goes against you, and I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty, I think it was a penalty, but how much of it is that just an inevitable product of just a big moment going against you so early in the second half? Um, yeah, as we going back to the Ganacho goal, it was an easy cross, wasn't it? It was a Dalo we left just mm. yeah, very easy, wasn't it, to get on that in and round the back of us on the left hand side. So that was a great goal. We could we could have stopped it, couldn't we? Uh, that was a disappointing thing. Uh, for the for the penalty, it goes against it, or is it just people, you know, not being good enough on the big moments and and young? It's probably not uncoincidental that in some of the big games this season, Young's being a fault, hasn't he? At crucial times, and you saw that again on on Sunday. Perhaps lucky to stay on the pitch as well. Would you believe? Um, but it was, it was. I thought it was a penalty. If you see, it. I think. I think. It was just a few of this challenge. That that said, I mean, United in the second half a few times were quite, you know, found it easy to play the ball into the middle of our defence, wasn't it? From the from the you know, outside the area did that for the third goal. So yeah, you could say it's fate and it's a long time to concede the goal, but ultimately it's just a bad decision by Ashley Young, isn't it, for the player of his experience. But goes back to what we say, he had a yellow card in the young, bit like at Anfield and we can talk about right backs all day long, and we have done on the pod a couple of weeks. So you and I, Joe, and some of it's down maybe our lack of options. Mm, I think it's. Perhaps, um, I don't, know, like, I, yeah, I think he was very lucky not to get sent off. Um, yeah, I spoke to Sean Dyche after the game, and he was complaining about the VAR intervention. But I think his complaint was more about the process rather than the decision itself. I mean, he would only go as far as to say. He thought it was a contentious decision. Um, I can understand where he said in terms of, you know, he was told that the on-field referees were supposed to have the dominant say, and clearly there's still a case of them being sent back to a screen and told what to do. Because I think like, he reiterates this point and repeats it a lot, but 
you very rarely see someone go to a monitor and then not change their decision. Mm. Um, so that process is an interesting one. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I thought Everton were lucky the decision wasn't given in the first instance. I think if it was, Ashley Young would have had a second yellow card and he would have been off. It was quite interesting. Even after he got that reprieve, you know, as John Brooks was on the penalty spot, sorting that out with, with, with Rashford, you know, saw Young march over towards him. It was actually Harry Maguire that stepped in and pulled him back. And I think Harry Maguire probably saved him from a, from a, from a red card. But... I mean, the situation uh, right back is and has been an interesting one. One of the few places that's probably open for debate all season, Connor. Um, Young doesn't help himself for all his experience by getting these early yellow cards. And he is starting to show um, a history of perhaps making questionable decisions, uh, big moments in games. Is now the time to maybe try something different is part one of this question and part two is does the return of Seamus Coleman to the match day squad give Deitch an opportunity to make that change but still save face because if it was Patterson coming in there might have been an acknowledgement that he should have come in earlier but with Coleman coming in fresh he can say well this was always the plan and the cod captain's back yeah I mean going back to Young just to start with he was actually looking in the first half because Martial Green, tackled Grady out yeah. and John Brooks plays play on. Now, really, he should have probably booked Martial. It's either a dive or it's a foul. Yeah. But he waved play on. Yeah. Listen, now, really, Young probably should have been sent off there because it was a clumsy, a clumsy challenge. So, so. I thought he was a very lucky man there. I think actually, he's saying, I'm not sure how long Young can actually stay on the pitch here. So, history did, unfortunately, repeat itself. Not that he was sent off against the downfield, but he made a, a bad call. But it was, you know. It's just like it's strange because normally, one thing Ashley Young has done a lot of during his short Everton career is picked up early yellow cards. Mm. And normally you said a problem with it getting an early yellow card is it then inhibits you going forward because then like you you're more because you, you, you're more cautious <laughs> yeah. the rest of the game. And in fact, what we're seeing from Young is I mean, that aggression clearly isn't being tempered, is it? Yeah. No, and I think if anything he probably gets worse when he to get the early Because that's the second booking on Diaz at Anfield. I mean Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no complaints is the and like I say, if he got sent off yesterday, you can't have any complaints. No. I think going back to the, the right back question, I think we're about to get a, a full picture of where Sean Dyche sees Nathan Patterson of course, yeah. more than Nathan from all this because if Seamus Coleman comes straight back in, maybe not next week, but the week after, perhaps Chelsea, you know, two games side, sorry, three games side. Um, if Seamus Coleman is, is back starting then ahead of Patterson, then I think, you know, we'll see a full picture that Sean Dyche doesn't clearly. Fancy Nathan Patterson. He's got mm-hmm. concerns and I'll start Nathan Patterson. Uh, um, but I think for what we've seen so far this season, I think Seamus Coleman's return can't come quick enough forever to right back, to be honest, because I think it's a problem area. I don't think younger Patterson have covered themselves in glory um, for when they'd be given the chance this season at right back. You say that you were very harsh in your player ratings about Patterson at West Ham. Well, some think I was harsh from a grace, so I don't know. <laughs> We're back to different, but no, I just think neither of them have done enough to nail down a place okay. to, to not prevent Coleman from coming back yeah. in. And I think it's quite interesting as well, isn't it? That you know, all these years on, and we always seem to have this discussion every year that even now we're still sitting there and we've been sitting there for saying, Well, when Coleman's back, fit, he'll come back <laughs> in, you know, <laughs> the man's you know, 34, and, I mean, and, and we're still sat there saying, Well, he'll come back well, in. The fact that we're still doing that speaks volumes, doesn't it? For the yeah. position, we're still relying on him. I know he brings a lot, don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic captain and stuff like that. But, you know, it's also the fact that he's probably the best right back of the club still at his age now. Yeah, well, he's 35 now. I mean, this is very much a live question because we already have spoken a lot about the, the 
in recent weeks about the, the transition that's going to be within that squad this summer. But obviously both, as it stands, Coleman and Ashley Young uh, will both be out of contact going into the summer. So if Sean Dyche genuinely doesn't see a future or doesn't want to use Nathan Patterson, then all of a sudden it becomes another area where you have to start looking at mm-hmm. thinking, well, that's going to have to be addressed in a transfer window, which you know, regards what happens with the takeover probably still be a, a transfer window on a budget. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about just just on young. It's probably a, a case of a little bit of his, his age. You know, he's obviously thirty eight, mm-hmm. where he knows perhaps his head thinks he can still sit through certain things and make certain challenges, but his body quite not the pace it used to be at, you know, and yeah. an age perhaps maybe caught up from a little bit in that sense. And, Which and we is... see that type of you know yeah. the multi challenge SD for instance yeah. is, is maybe one way that his head he's thinking I can make that, I can get there where his body just doesn't quite have the same speed that it wants to the quality. Which is a problem, though, when you're bringing in party or mainly your your, your main attribute from that you're asking for him is his experience. Because well, his experience should override that emotional, I can still do this. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not, then that's an issue. Um, and I think we've said this before, like with, with the right-back situation, it's great to have experience there, but Everton isn't a club that is short of you know, of experienced Premier League fullbacks who can, you know, give advice to the players around them. Because obviously, as well as having Seamus Coleman, you've got Leighton Baines there in the under 18. So you, you're in a situation where you, you have two of the probably the best fullbacks of Premier League history already within that club. Um, so Young's experience shouldn't necessarily be a defined feature, and in being there and get the game, it should be what he's able to do on the pitch. And I think increasingly we're seeing that. Yeah, maybe he just needs to be taken out of the firing line a little bit, but you know, he has had a difficult few few weeks on, on that front, hasn't he? Um Gav, you know, we, we obviously we started off talking about the football. Um, but I think that what's important to acknowledge from yesterday and that this changes regardless this doesn't change um due to the results, is yeah, this was a game that was probably this was an, an event rather than a football match. And the more important yeah. thing probably went on around the game um you know i saw you you there yesterday you were there nice nice and early you would have seen some of what went on inside the state and um, outside the stadium you would have seen a lot of what went on inside the stadium i mean when it got to that last 20 minutes before kickoff and then obviously at the premier league anthems i mean how how did you feel how, like what 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 were your what was your emotion seeing such a display of organised unity as that which was put on yesterday. Yeah, oh, admiration and pride are the the two words that used. Admiration for the the time that people have taken out and the hard work to prepare to prepare everything for the for the game and, and pride that of you know Evertonians sort of uniting to sort of fight what they think is a, an unjust decision on the guard. I said, well, whether you think that, well, if you think that, you know, the decision hours reached and whether it's fair or not, is not really the point here, is it? it? It's just it's just the process in itself. And also as well that it was, as far as I'm aware, done in a very well-mannered and, you know, not, not in a threatening manner as well. So, um, yeah, pride and admiration, I think, would be the two the two words to use, Joe. And, and, and in that in that context, like going back to what we started the pod of that early course, sort of, uh, you know, cut that fire out, did it really? But yeah, I mean, I think you can sometimes, you know, football fans generally can be criticised and stuff, but you see that yesterday, and that's 
you know, Swansea, isn't it? I don't think I've ever seen that much booing. I've seen plenty of booing in the snook of the age. Um, I don't think I've seen any booze that loud in, in my life, you know, both before the game and, and, and during it after 10 minutes. And even the, the poor fellows who brought the Premier League stand on got booed, didn't they? <laughs> and I wasn't there fight probably. So, yeah, it was... But yeah, I think I think it'd be that, and the fact that it all went off, you know, peacefully, and um, it was just a shame. Perhaps I mean there there is a there is a conversation to actually think that that all that, you know, all that noise for one, Dice's favourite phrase, literally around the around the ground before and after the game, whether that affected the players' performances, were they affected by the occasion? And it's an interesting aspect to it, perhaps. But yeah, I thought I thought the, the supporters did a wonderful job yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I mean it really was kind of so you were sat next to me. Um, you know, as those players came out, all the you know, the the, the purple placard, the pink placards with the corrupt sign on got got held up and we had all the banners on the Gladys Street. I mean it, it really was a, an assault on the census, wasn't it? And it was a kind of that cauldron of emotional intensity that few other grounds and few other, if any, fan bases can provide. Yeah, I think what we saw is that, you know, Everton fans have the ability to come together and unite and get the, the, their message, what they want to, to get out there across. Because obviously, you know, there was a, a lot of work went into that. Didn't you? I think mm. we've got to give credit to the 1878 who've done an absolute job in organised it all and making sure it was done properly and, you know, everyone knew what they were doing. It was, you know, an organised, you know, protest sure. and, you know, which was, you know, military precision in the way it was, you know, the way it come together. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a real show to find, wasn't it? I think more than anything. And I think it was a real kind of we're not taking this line down. Yeah. You no know, one obviously you know last season myself and you and Chris covered a lot of the pre match protest marching you know, over the boards and the figures at the football club. Um and they obviously attracted huge numbers mm. but nothing on the scale of what we saw yesterday. I mm. think, you know, Every man and his dog. I mean, there's probably people on Goodison outside the brick public county roads who didn't go on a match but just come along to show yep. their support and their defiance. And obviously, you know, when you go into when you see that the players come out, so everyone holds up. I think literally everybody held one, went down placards up. No one kind of, you know, was turning the back or, you know, that's not for me. Everyone was united as one. And it was a real show of defiance. And, you know, the, 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 I think we've all said this, but, you know, the, the Premier League. If they didn't know it already, know that they picked on their own club to make a point. Yeah, that's and, it. And, 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 and I, I, think think about... is, I think it's be the stars as well, or it? Yeah. I don't think this is, you know, one thing I think about, you know, because I've seen a few fans saying, oh, that'll be it now, but, you know, I, I truly think this will be the start now. You know, we're going to see more of this over the coming weeks. You know, this is just mm-hmm. the beginning of these protests and people making their the point and, and showing real, you know, together and uni- uh, unity. So I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks more because I think more will, will come if it else, the appeal goes on. But for you know, for starters, it was absolutely superb. You just felt sorry in the end for the you know, certainly the people involved in eighteen seventy eight that they didn't get the result that they quite clearly wanted or deserved for their efforts. Yeah, I, I mean I was there early doors as, as people listening on Friday probably anticipated, you know, I was, I was in and around Goodison before twelve o'clock. Just kind of full of that nervous anticipation because you know what's gonna go yeah, you know, what it's gonna be a, a, a momentous day. Um, and yeah, just speaking to you know, like to Dave Kelly from the Fan Advisory Board, Katie Carter from the 1878s and the build up, you know, the work that they did was was absolutely incredible. And there really is some achievement to you know to, to organise basically to to organise 35,000 people in a uni- you know, in an orchestrated unified vo- um, protest uh, less than well pretty much a week's notice. It's just you know incredible and fair play to them. And I think that has to be 
the message you know, that we take from yesterday, both on and off the pitch. You know, I think that Deitch had a degree of merit when he was saying it was a tough one to judge the game yesterday because I think that, you know, second goal comes at a bad time. It is a mistake from Ashley and takes a wind out of the sails. But Evan did more than enough to be going into that game level at halftime. Uh, and they should, and, it, and it's a recurring issue. It's an issue that needs to be addressed. One, you know, taking those chances in, you know, in more games. This, this is a, this is a club that creates chances, and it is a club that a team that scores goals. You know, we saw three at Brentford, three at Palace, two at Sheffield United, three against Bournemouth, two at Villa. Yeah, you know, this club can score goals. We we know that. Where it probably needs to. It's, it's work refined a little bit, it's scoring goals in the right moments because it's clear that that first goal is, is, is absolutely integral to, to any Everton game they play in. If they score, they tend mm-hmm. to go on and win. If they don't, they tend to go on and lose. Um, and the home form has to be improved. Like There, there, there was a cushion. They, could, they were surviving on their away form previously and that was okay, but now it's not with this, this 10-point deduction. But I think on the pitch... There are elements of the reaction that you can take and say, well, this is an Everton side that is a bit stronger than it has been in previous previous years. Uh, and I think the fan base yeah, certainly gives everybody a source of comfort and strength going forward. Because obviously that's going to remain there. And while they're united, then that is a you know, real... Re- Everton will be greater than the sum of its parts because it has that extra layer of, of, of support and drive uh, and intensity behind it. You know, I um, My match report was based on what you just said there, Connor, yesterday, just how... Yeah, there will be fans of other clubs that will say, oh, you know, that'll be the end of the protests and, oh, you've already lost the game, you know, you're going to struggle this season. But nothing was ever going to be solved yesterday. Yesterday was only ever going to be the beginning of the protest. It could never be the end. Um, and I think that has to be remembered because, you know, I think they'll be useful going forward. And, Colin, it's... For all that, it's it does add a little bit of pressure on the Forex game on, on Sunday, and obviously we'll speak more in depth about that on on Friday. But December does look a little bit more awkward, doesn't it? I think. I think everyone's got a little bit more nervous. Haven't you? I think after yeah. that, I think there was a bit. Of, I mean, I was always a little bit nervous, if I'm being honest. I think from when the temperance got deducted, because. I don't think it was ever going to be as swimmingly as like, well, we'll just pick up more wins and we'll get out mm. you know, we get points back and we was found the table. You know, where is ever ever that simple when it comes to every football club for starters. That's true. As yeah. I as I wrote yesterday, fairy tales don't get written in royal blue ink at the moment. No, no, they certainly don't. <laughs> not like the old joint last how no. many years. But no, I think I think now there's a little bit more nervousness because I think people look at the fixtures and think, well, you know, we probably need to get some for Forest. We probably need to beat one of Newcastle and Chelsea yeah. in their back to back home games in the space of four days. We probably need to be barely away, if we're being brutally honest, because that's probably one of the away games where you think... Oh, I've lost like, every home game so far, haven't yeah, I? So. You, know, you don't really want to be still neck and neck with them and they get their first win and, and have the chance to leapfrog in, in the table. Then obviously you're heading into uh, Christmas weekend and performing the Carabao Cup, Tottenham away, Man City at home, Wolves away before the year's out. You look and I think, well, that's actually not an easy run of fixtures. And also as well, I think... You know, meant there all the players come out and spoke about it and you know said that you know two against the Wales and we want to be the fight back. But I don't know why the just you know from a mentality and mental point of view that ten points just took sail out the wins a little bit and it's, it's certainly hurt and left a, a few players reeling and perhaps you know I think I'm all we should maybe be in this position as well. Probably a few players like you know probably like most of the fans we like us where you know ten days ago two weeks ago whatever I was looking forward to a busy December. 
I thought was going to be about the football that was on the pitch. Yeah. You know, these experience, great experiences of the games against Chelsea and Newcastle and trips to you know, uh, sorry, trips to um, Spurs where you could go and play with a little bit of freedom because the pressure to get results yeah. wasn't on there and you could really see wherever I mean, we're in their kind of you know, their progress against your know, size that they want to try and catch up with. And obviously I was looking forward to Fulham as well, thinking of cup game, good opportunity there. And now all of a sudden I just feel like Forest will be a very difficult game and then it'll go into Newcastle and Chelsea. I feel like it's inevitable that December is going to be a very difficult month. Mm-hmm. And it always was going to be a difficult month. And I think we've always said that with, with the amount of times we mentioned December so far this season already, you know, is it's, it's, it's been a lot. There's no lack of awareness there. But where I feel for the players is and where I feel for the fan base and, and almost selfishly I feel for, for likes of myself and you, Connor, is that whatever done by, it hadn't been a perfect start to the season, but by going and getting those three wins in London, by going and getting those 14 points on the board, you know, that eight-point buffer to the relegation zone, they'd given themselves the protection, the cushion, which meant that results weren't the be all and end-all in December. Now there's a pressure on them to try and get out of the situation as quickly as possible so that you know, the danger is that if they don't, it come, becomes you know, us against the world versus the world against us. Mm. And, and that's just where I'm a little bit worried. But I, I'm still confident they're going to stay up. I just think we're probably, I think last night was a reminder that we're probably going to have a few more sleepless nights than we'd like to because of this deduction. I think it's a mentality thing as well, isn't it? Because they've probably gone from where they was after the Palace game ends and November attached for eight Well, no, we can just go every one or two games, pick up every two days, pick up points, mm. keep ourselves sticking over, get, get to January. We will come through the, a tough Christmas period. You know, we'll probably still be maybe, you know, 10 to 12, 13, you yeah. know. We're enough to keep us ticking over, enough to keep a bit of a buffer between the, the, the relegation zone. Head into the new year, maybe uh, one or two bodies in January mm. if they possibly if the club got the scope to do that. And then you'll maybe just think, well, just keep plodding along, plodding along, building, 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 not getting sucked in. Now all of a sudden we're in a position where we're playing catch up. Mm-hmm. And very quickly we could be playing catch up on a alarm pace <laughs> because yeah. because it's gone from two to five already. Yeah. You know, Bit much if they play each other next week. Yeah. And by the time it could be the evening, it could be, you know, seven. Eight at the worst, mm-hmm. but it could be six, it could be seven, and all of a sudden you, you're playing catch up now. So you're going into December, which is a, you know a busy month, but a lot of games against tough opposition, playing catch up, needing to get points on the board. Whereas you know two weeks before that, you would think well, we're in a good position, we can just keep pucker away, pick up points of being in there, mm-hmm. you know, win, but win the three, three old games, isn't win one of them, maybe draw one of them, four points, you know, we want to draw one away from home in January, December. Another four, you know, eight points if he you know, goes to the new year, eight points. That's exactly 20 odd points will be, you know, okay. Now that's not the case. And obviously, now you know, if we could get eight points in, in December, it might not even be enough to get them up to bottom three. Mm. So, so it's a whole mentality shift, we think, is perhaps a lot bigger than what we all anticipated it being. Yeah, Gav, I mean, what did the Man United result? Let's say result rather than necessarily performance. What did that do for your sense of perspective of, of all things ever to this present moment in time? The, the perspective is, is two weeks ago we were eight points away from the relegation zone and now we're five minutes, five or five points from the safety. You know, that's a, so that's a 13 point swing, isn't it, in a, in a fortnight? And, 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 and one I'm concerned a little bit, and this will play out, I think, over time is how this just affects the players, not just last week when the news was given, but just going forward. You know, will some players be motivated by this? Will some players be demotivated by this? 
we've got players in the last year of the contract. Will Bison's powers of trying to inspire the team? You know, because if you're at the bottom of the league and it's your fault, that's one thing, isn't it? When the manager's talking to you, isn't it? You know, you've got us in. You've got us in this position. All that type of stuff. You know, you need to get us out. If Dice starts going at the players, looking at the bottom of the league, you need to sort this out. The players could turn around and say, "Well, it's not our fault." <laughs> you know that we've been dropped ten points, and that's a slightly different conversation, isn't it? So yeah. it does. You, you may find that it may change the, di- the dynamics between the management and players. This penalty, mm. because it ultimately, and as we've said this before, it, it's not. I know some of the players have been responsible for previous relegation battles, and perhaps some clubs would argue that they're not shouldn't be there. There ever now, it's not their fault, is it? It's not Dice's fault, but the, the relationship between the manager and player might shift slightly because of this. Because maybe he can't can't point his thing, point the finger at the players for underperforming when you're bottom of the table, like say last season. Or say Lampard, Lampard spoke about it the season before, didn't he? Ice can't say that, can he? No. Because we're, we're here because we're ten, we've been penalised 10 points and it's not their fault. They've probably got a sense of injustice. So the management's a thing, I think, is a key thing here going forward. And they'll be interested to see how that plays out because it's, it's, it's an unnatural. It's an unnatural position to be in, isn't it, really, as a club? As we've been pointed out before many times, as the worst penalty and tough flight history, whatever. And I think we may not see the impact of it for a while yet. And yeah, that would be the interesting. A lot of uncertainty as well, isn't it? Because obviously the colour of our appeal, and we don't know what the outcome of the appeal is going to be. You know, they might get yeah. four, five points back. You don't know. It just, it just seems very... There's, I think, like case in our life, isn't it? If there's uncertainty around issues, it doesn't help, does it? It doesn't help. Yeah, well, we could have... We could have like three different points souls this season, shouldn't we? The normal points <laughs> totally start with it. Then one that's got ten points deducted, then one that's hopefully say got like five points deducted. Well, that doesn't doesn't help anybody, yeah. does it? You know, I said I said last interesting thing is that um yeah, Jan this this appeal process is gonna be really interesting because nothing has been quick about this process just yet, but Again, I mean, we've used this word so much in the past 10 days, but for the integrity of the competition, surely the appeal process needs to be completed before the January transfer window begins. Because yeah, we've seen, and I haven't looked at this properly, but um, I, I, like, I think this is the case. Certainly in the case of Luton and Sheffield United, it looks like they've gone through the come up and their idea has been to go, you know what? We've come up earlier than we expected to do it. So in our cycles, and we're not going to fall into the trap of spending big to chase the survival. It doesn't really isn't really open to us because mm. the gap between us and survival. But that might change quite considerably if they think or if they know that Everton are going to have minus ten points. All of a sudden, if you're looking at a Luton side that would have got that win, you have then still be in the relegation zone, going, "Yeah, you know what? We're going to pick up nice wins every now and then. We're going to have good days. Let's just enjoy them." To going. Well, you know what? Or maybe only two or three more of these surprise wins might actually be the difference between staying us up and all the rewards that then you get through that. Same with Everton. I, I don't think Everton are going to have a particularly big pot to spend in in, in January. And obviously, the, I don't think that changes if they get taken over. But if there's any uncertainty there, then, then that, that won't help. But again, if there's a little bit of spare money flying around, you know, which there was at the back end of the January transfer window last year after Gordon got sold. 
well, if they were mid-table, it might have been a case of, you know what, we don't need any fit urgent. We'll save that money for we'll save that money for for first summer for when we're having this rebuild. Mm. Now all of a sudden it might be, you know, have a difficult January, five, six, seven points from from safety. Might go obviously we know Farwell is someone who's cautious when it comes to trying to bring players into the club. But there might be a case of saying maybe we do need to spend some of this mm. money and and all of a sudden you might end up as likes of Burnley or Luton and even Everton, you know, just starting to gamble or make big financial decisions that will have implications on them in the long term based on something that might change if this appeal process goes on beyond mm. January. I can imagine if Luton go and spend £30 million, I've seen it would happen. Imagine if they went and spent the £30 million in January that they didn't spend in the summer because they thought there was no points because they think that they're going to stay up without it on minus 10 and then, you know, halfway through next year, or they say even get to April and all of a sudden have to get six of those points back and Luton go down. You know, it's there's, there's a lot of stake here, isn't there? There is, but I also think as well, it's a, a case of Michael Ball, our columnist, said this last week about the 10 point deduction is probably give them points and effort and we were down here a little bit more hope well, well, that's it and as a result of that they might spend the money which they might not be able to afford but even like in terms like you know you know we think about we were out the bottom three yeah you know yeah. And, and just like in the in the now you know like that belief of like we're off course adrift you know we're not we're not we're not kind of fighting for survival we, we can pick up a brain and then maybe when the end of two weeks that's going to put everyone under real pressure and all yeah. of a sudden you know but the, the relegation fight is a relegation fight. It's not kind of a case of three clubs of the three the neat blue really clubs are all gonna chase the fourth yeah, fourth bottom team down. It's an actual battle in which by Everton have got to they've got to chase the mm-hmm. the other club. So I think it's it's it's, it's like I say, it's all certainty and I think any any type of uncertainty in life where people don't know where they stand and what's going on, stuff like that isn't great and it doesn't help anyone's kind of mentality or thinking. And obviously at the minute Everton there's just uncertainty all over the place, isn't it? You know, whether it be take over points deduction. Mm. I think a, a large part of like the takeover stuff has been forgotten about. But when it comes to points deduction, it's half the place more because it affects them more than anyone. Absolutely. Well we'll on that happy notes, um we'll we'll we'll, 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 we'll wrap up. Oh, yeah, we say that, but I do think that I there are there are lots more reasons for yeah, to be positive that I think you would necessarily think from the headlines of wherever they are right now. After three not defeat. Yeah, well, like yeah, as I say, I think in the performance and certainly in relation to what the fans did, yeah, there is a greater resilience going into what could be this relegation battle than there mm-hmm. have been in the last two. Yeah, this is a club that's faced adversity and overcome it in recent seasons while still being relatively fractured. Now it's a, a unified force, so hopefully it can overcome the problems it, it's now beset by and hopefully as as quickly as possible. So we'll try and Leave it on a little bit more up, but you know, there before Gav comes in and says something to say the window, I might say, but um, yeah, we, um, we've been the Royal Blue podcast, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for bearing with us. I'm not sure if the signal's been particularly good uh, during this episode, but if you made it this far, thank you ever so much. And we'll be with you later on in the week. Thank you. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 